Recording in progress. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm not sure if you guys recall what exactly we had spoken about the previous weeks, <coughs> but, um, we spoke about the kingdom of God, like advancing the kingdom of God. We spoke about evangelism and, um, uh, one week we had spoke uh, spoken about um, prophetic evangelism, and um, and basically, it, if you recall, it's just integrating you know the the gift of of prophecy and the gift of the word of knowledge uh, and so on and so forth um, in our evangelism experience. <clears throat> and today, I want to talk to you guys specifically about the gift of prophecy unrelated to evangelism um just just as a, a the main focus point of of our of our talk today the reason why i want to do this is because um when we cuz you might feel like there's some overlap because i had already spoken to you guys about prophetic evangelism but um and so you might hear some of the same things um <clears throat> But today it's more it's more defined and it's more it's delving more into the details of of this gift. Uh, whereas when I spoke to you about prophetic evangelism, it was a mere description of of a certain method of evangelism. Does that make sense? So uh, I want to talk to you guys specifically about the details <clears throat> surrounding this gift and um and the reason why is not just so you guys can know about it, because um, <coughs> um, some of you have been here for quite a while, all right. Um, I, I'm not. I think everybody in this, well, um, with the exception of our, our sister, uh, by the way, welcome her warmly. She's interested in in evangelism, interested in um, you know deliverance and stuff like that. Um, and so, but with the exception of, of a sister who joined us today is, I believe that we're here, we've been here at least for a year at the, at the least, right? Everyone here has, yeah, two years. Yeah. I believe Natalia a little over a year now, right? And Julia two years, Kezron two years. So, um, I say that because if, if, at, <clears throat> we've been here long enough to see on Wednesdays, you know the gift of prophecy modeled. I'm, we've seen on a number of occasions God speak and and um, and um, regarding different things and for different people, uh, different details. Some with greater detail, others a bit more vague. Um, so it isn't it, it. The reason why I want to go into prophecy isn't necessarily so you guys can say. Ah, now I know what that gift is, because you guys have seen it modeled already, so you guys know firsthand experience what it looks like, and um, and I think firsthand experience of seeing it modeled is is going to be um, of greater weight and authority than merely studying about it. You, you get what I'm saying? Um, so, <clears throat> with that said, um, the purpose for this is. So you guys can <coughs> hopefully begin to walk in it yourselves. And so 
this is going to cover, this is going to be an explanation, right? It's going to be up to you guys to provide a demonstration, right? Um, what I mean by that is as I explain these things and as I have modeled these things, um, it is ultimately going to rest within your um, jurisdiction, within your court to actually make an application to exercise these giftings. So, um, to begin with, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 14, verse 1. It's just one verse that I want us to read there. And the first point that I want to make about the gift of prophecy is that we must desire it. And let me let me just let me, let me stop there for a minute. Don't don't close your Bibles. Uh, continue to search for it if you haven't found it just yet. Because <clears throat> we there are camps that exist today that would say that they're normally among the cessationists. And if they are not necessarily cessationists, but they do believe in the gifts, they only believe in it with, like, in theory. They don't believe in it in, it in practice. <clears throat> A lot of them will minimize, they will minimize the gifts and say, well, we, we have the scriptures, what need do we have for the gifts? And there's this term, the term is sola scriptura. And it means, sola means alone, scriptura is um, scripture, and they, so they, the philosophy is scripture alone. Now, while I agree that scripture alone is what gives us doctrine, and scripture alone is our authority, scripture is like the Supreme, well, I can't use Supreme Court because not everybody here is in America, but um, Supreme Court basically is, is the highest court of authority here in America, and, and we do have lower courts of authority, <clears throat> okay? Um, Supreme Court is the highest authority. So the scriptures stand as the Supreme Court. Okay, Nothing can contradict. We can't establish any doctrine that contradicts the scriptures at all. Now, <coughs> scripture is sufficient alone to provide his doctrine. But guess what? Jesus didn't leave us with scripture alone. He gave us gifts. <laughs> right? And so... We cannot minimize the gifts because Jesus didn't, Paul didn't, and neither should we. In fact, if we are truly uh, sola scriptura, we will say, um, the scripture talks about the gifts, therefore let us pursue them. <laughs> if it's scripture that is our compass for truth and our only basis and authority, then we have no right to say that the, the gifts are optional because the Bible doesn't allow you to say that they're optional. It doesn't say that. And and secondly, uh, is for a pragmatic reason. For <clears throat> They're very effective and useful, not only for building up the body of Christ, but also to diagnose and to identify the works of darkness. And so if we, let me just say this and we'll move on. Um, sadly, there are believers today 
who are ill-equipped, who don't function in the gifts, and they are shadow boxing the kingdom of darkness. They are missing they are not aiming correctly. They're not hitting the target. They say that every demon possession is someone that needs to be in a psych ward. And they'll say, um, they'll try to uh, solve certain people's problems through counseling and not not a prophetic word. And I'm not minimizing counseling. I'm I'm saying that we're misdiagnosing problems and therefore providing poor solutions. Amen. And spiritual gifts come from the grace of God, and the grace of God is always going to be able to accomplish more than what man can in his natural ability. Amen? Always. Undoubtedly. Um, Amen. So, let me me give you one example, and then we'll read this verse. One time we were out evangelizing, and... um, and uh, I, I had gone out with some brothers, and we were going out for a prayer walk. And uh, we were just asking, uh, you know, we were up in the, the ghetto area, and um, we were asking <clears throat> the people there if they needed prayer. And uh, we asked this older lady, and she said, yes, and can you please pray for my son? And we're like, sure, we can pray for your son. And, um, well, the son was distressed. He was going to school and, um, he was having problems at school. He had good grades, but his grades dropped. And, um, one of the brothers there, no, no discredit to, to his knowledge, no discredit to his, his education, his background. I applaud him for that. We want to be educated. We never want to be uneducated. When I say uneducated, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to school. If it means reading the Bible well and, and even maybe picking up a book here and there or even learning from other people, that's how we educate ourselves. We never want to be less in knowledge. We always want to grow in knowledge if the knowledge is good. Um, so no discredit to him, but he was viewing this through a natural lens and, um, he was saying, you know, you need to go to your teacher. If, if you're suffering in school, he says, I don't, he was saying, I don't understand what I'm doing, you know, this and that. And, and the brother that, uh, was talking to this young kid, he's a teacher. So if anybody knows how to speak to the education, he does, right? But meanwhile, the Holy Spirit is saying, the kid is lying. Don't listen to him. He's not. He's not. He, it's not that he don't understand it. He is playing football, and he's not a football player because he's trying to fit in. He likes computers and he likes games. He's trying to fit into some some crowd that he doesn't belong in. And so, while this brother is saying this, viewing it from a natural lens, the Holy Ghost is speaking to me, and, I, and so I said, "Hey, brother, uh, if you if you don't mind, I have I have a word from the Lord that I want to share with him." <clears throat> and um and I, I pointed out at him I said uh I said uh the Lord is telling me that um you you um you're actually not telling the truth here. You don't it's not that you don't understand this stuff. You're actually trying to fit in with the football crowd and you like games and computers and so you're trying so hard to fit in with them and because you're doing that is leading you away from your studies and you're very insecure and, and you just want to be accepted. And he just broke down weeping. 
He broke down crying in front of everybody. And so we got to pray for him. And so I gave a word to him and then to his mother <coughs> that she needs to take him out of football. And so, you know, it, that, that's, that was the problem for him. And um, <coughs> now, once again, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the brother in the Lord who, who is familiar with education, if anybody could speak to his problem, it would be him. He already knows how the game, you know, goes. But the grace of God, no matter how much you know, no matter how much you feel like it's an authority in your area, the grace of God, if, it, if the grace of God is supplying you with knowledge or power for that particular area, it will always transcend man's ability. Always. And so this is why the grace, this is, and so where do the right. gifts come from? The gifts come from the grace. Right? So, with that said, um, let, let us read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. <clears throat> this is what Paul says. And remember, if I'm sure you guys are very familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is the chapter of love. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, and so on and so forth. And, um, and, and what I've said about the cessationists, a lot of them say, well, it's all about love. And it's like, yes, but doesn't the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 4, where it gives us the description all the, of all the, all the different offices, speak the truth in love, use your gifts in love. And so one of the ways that we love is actually using the gifts. So it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, follow the way of love, okay, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. It says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. <clears throat> they utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies, who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So, what, what Paul is saying is here, in fact, he says, I don't forbid anyone to speak in tongues. Okay, He'll say this in that, in that chapter. He'll say, I don't forbid speaking in tongues. <clears throat> but he says, look, if you're speaking in tongues, the main purpose for speaking in tongues is to edify yourself. And there's nothing wrong with edifying yourself. You're going to want to edify yourself. But it is maturity that says the purpose, a, a, a greater purpose is to also edify others. And Paul tells us that one of the ways that we, in fact, edify someone is that we prophesy to them. Okay? I, I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting that actually that we're going on, like we're coming on here, there was some random guy that just messaged me be, like before I came on. He says, hey, I, I know this sounds weird, but can you prophesy to me? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even really know him. Um, he DM'd me on Instagram. But um, people do that because um, the, the gift of prophecy is this very unique gift that is so encouraging. Like the times that someone had given me a prophetic word, it feels like God was ignoring everybody in the moment and just focusing on me and like, get, you know, giving me details about my life. It's like, it's very encouraging. It's like, whoa, I'm known by the Father. This is amazing. You know, it feels very special. 
<coughs> and um, that's beautiful. It's very beautiful. And um, and so look at though, Paul is writing all of the church of Corinth. He's not writing to a select few. The reason why we know that he's writing to the entire church, because if you look, you don't have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, he says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So he's saying all of the Lord's holy people, not just the prophets, not just the pastors, not just the leaders. He says to everybody. And so if it's written to everybody, when we see this command here in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, we know that it's addressed to everybody. Everyone who's holy in the Lord. Everyone who's called to be saints. So guess what? Are you guys saints? Yes, you are. You're, you know, it says in the Greek, hagias. It's, it's the set apart ones, the holy ones. The, the sanctified ones. In other words, the Lord says, yeah, you're not a part of the world. I'm setting you apart. I'm setting you apart by my spirit, by the blood, and by my name. Right? So, <clears throat> guess what? You're not off the hook. That means you got to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So, there's a plurality there. He doesn't say desire the gift. He says desire gifts. And he doesn't even say desire. He says eagerly desire them. So there's more than one you should be desiring, right? <laughs> In other words, you cannot be slothful. You cannot be slothful. You cannot be uh, distracted in your pursuit of them, right? Oh, yeah, uh, you, you, what is a distraction? It's, it's, it's getting off track. And so God wants you to focus in on this and eagerly desire them. And it's a continual verb. It's not a once and for all act. Like I desired it at one time in my life and nothing happened. So I'm just give up. No, that's not an option. And notice too, this is an imperative statement. I'm going to break down a little bit of English to you. So there's an interrogative statement, which is a question. There's a declarative statement. It's like, ah, my toe hurts, right? That's a declarative statement. I'm declaring something to be the case. There's an indicative statement, and there there are uh, imperative statements. Imperative statements are commands. This is a command here. He doesn't say, you know, it'd be kind of cool if you guys would do this, right? Right, so in other words, guess what? If there is a command and you don't live up to it, what do we call it? Can anybody break it down to me? What do we call that? Huh? Yeah, sinny sin sin. <laughs> sinny sin sin. <laughs> the hairs on my chinny chin chin is sinny sin sin. <laughs> yeah, that's that those are my lame dad jokes coming out, right? Um <clears throat> just be be forbearant, be patient with me cuz I can be a, a a fool sometimes, I guess. Um but no, no nevertheless, it says this though. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, but notice though, especially that you may prophesy, right? So, I want us to turn real quick to Romans 12. I actually don't have this in my, um, <clears throat> my, um, my, my verses that I have written down here. 
<clears throat> but um, it just came to my heart. Romans chapter 12, it is verse, uh, verse 11. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says, how come you have a Biblia? How come you have it written in Spanish on the... <laughs> We call it a Hungarian Bibliothek. Oh, that's how you guys call Bible? In yes. Hunga Hungarian? Really? Yes, it's Biblio. Oh, okay. Alright, that's that's how you say it in Spanish as well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Or as other translations say, um, uh, what, Brother Kesron, what translation do you have there? KJV. All right. C could you read it? I think it says slothful. Right. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. You want me to read 12 too? Yes. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Okay. Uh, Julia, what translation do you have? You have your Finnish translation there, or is it the English one? Yeah, I have my Finnish one here. Okay, no, that's fine. For, uh, so the, um... For some reason, I thought that it might have said uh, "slothful," but the point, though, that <clears throat> um, regardless, though, the point, though, is that. We are never to be lacking in zeal, and and zeal is a is a spiritual jealousy that we have for the things of God. It's a it's a like Jesus said of his father's house, right? He says, "My father's house should be called a house of prayer." And it's it said um, when he began to turn over the tables in the temple. <coughs> that's how I feel about. Turning over the angry street preachers' uh, <laughs> tables with all their pamphlets, who are making a mockery of the gospel, who are really turning people away from the Lord. I feel like throwing over their tables. Um, but it says, "Zeal for your my Father's house has consumed me," or as the King James version puts it, "has eaten me up." It eats at you. It, it consumes you in a good way, <clears throat> and so. That's the form of zeal that we are to have with regards to our earnest desire for the spiritual gifts. And it says, <clears throat> to never be lacking in zeal, but to keep your spiritual fervor. So you have to do the keeping. God doesn't keep it for you. You have to do the keeping, right? And why? Because it can be taken away from you, right? It can be taken away from you because you allow it to slip the writer of Hebrews says that we are to give the more earnest heed to these things, so lest at any time we shall allow them to slip. You don't know how many times I've seen believers, they allowed their zeal to slip, allowed their attention to slip, allowed their commitment to Christ to slip, allowed their godliness to slip. And it's it's a gradual process, right? And then once once it's slipping, it's hard to grasp it. 
it's by luck that you would grasp it again, right? Until it falls and then you pick it back up. Try, you know, try to grasp something that has a bunch of oil or butter on it. It's hard. Um, <clears throat> but as we see, though, Paul says to eat, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And so we are to desire them with zeal, spiritual fervor, right? Now, <clears throat> this, that's the first thing. That's the first point. Secondly, I want us to turn to Luke 11, verse 9. We'll, we'll be getting into some more details here, but I, I'm laying the groundwork um, for this uh, because it begins with desire. That's where it begins. We have to have a desire for, again, the spiritual gifts. So that means... <clears throat> Also healing, um, you know, um, is you know, I, I'm actually very happy now because I can say that everybody in the group now actually speaks in tongues here, right here in this group. <laughs> so I'm I'm very honored to say that, um, and <coughs> you have to. <coughs> the reason why, because I can say now, hey, everyone speak in tongues. Right, and we're charismatic people, and don't allow that to turn you off because sometimes it does allow people to turn them off. And it, it comes from the Greek word charis, and charis means grace. Mata, you so you add that with mata, and basically what you have charismata, charismatic, and they're basically people who believe in the gifts. Because the grace, charis, grace, it's because of God's grace that he gives gifts to the church. That's where the gifts come from, is from the grace. So, why are we charismatics? It's not a denomination, it's a description of your belief. And it's sad that we live in a day to where we have to actually identify certain believers as charismatics, because as we know, there are Christian atheists, there are unbelieving believers who believe in the gospel, who don't believe in the gifts, right? They're unbelieving believers. And and so we have to distinguish, hey, like, I actually still believe the whole Bible. And sometimes denominations aren't even what it is. It's not even stating what you believe. It's stating what you don't believe about the Bible. <laughs> I see you smiling over there, Kezron. But it, it's a sad and unfortunate thing, and we have to reform that. We have to get back to the biblical ancient paths. It's not It's not the reforms doctrine. It's not the Baptist doctrine. It, it says the, the doctrine of the apostles. They kept themselves, they delved into the apostles' doctrine. Luke, uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 42. That, that's what it says. They continue steadfastly in that. Okay, so it's not ours. It's the apostles' doctrine. Who did they get theirs from? Matthew chapter twenty-eight, nineteen. It says, "Teach Jesus, commission the disciples, tell them, just tell them, uh, go make disciples, and teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you." Okay, so it, this is all about Jesus, man. He's the Lord. He's the Master. We follow His ways, His teachings. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. So we're we're charismatics in that regard. And um, and and so we, we everybody should desire tongues. Everybody, you. If you're not, there's something wrong. 
Because I've heard Christians say, you know, I, I just believe the gospel, man. I don't, I don't really pursue tongues and stuff like that. And my, 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 my uh, response is, well, you, I think you're kind of disobeying the Bible for the reasons that we've already mentioned. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. And, and tongues is included in those gifts there. <clears throat> but Luke 11, verse 9 it says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts. Right, we're talking about gifts here. To your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, <clears throat> what we find here, the reason why I'm bringing up this passage, is because the second point um, in relation to the gift of prophecy is that you must do the asking. So you can desire it and fail to pray. That's possible. Let us ask ourselves, is it possible that I could ever desire something and not pray about it? Yes. So the second step in our pursuit, in the obtaining of the gift of prophecy is that we ask, right? And in context, if you look at, because this, this, Luke isn't the only author who, who mentions this um, teaching on prayer. Matthew also records, and I believe Mark also records, um, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. I believe all of the gospel writers, with the exception of John, echo the same teaching. Um, <clears throat> but in Matthew's account, it doesn't say to those who, uh, he says, um, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit? Matthew says, how much more will he give good things? Um, and so there's a slight variance there. It's not a contradiction. The reason why it's different is because Jesus taught this on different occasions, and one author decided to snapshot Jesus' teaching on one occasion, whereas Matthew decided to snapshot it on a different occasion. And so both holds true, whether good things or whether the Holy Spirit or whether the gifts of the Spirit. If we ask, if the Lord isn't going to give us a scorpion if we ask for bread, right? <clears throat> so, in other words, let's just apply our pursuit of the gifts here. How much more will the Lord give the gift of prophecies to those who ask? Right? Now, the third point that I want to bring up is I want us to pay attention to the preceding verses, uh, verses 5 through 10. And this is the third point that I have. Keep praying for the gift. Because someone might already feel like, I've prayed about it. I've heard this before. Like, for example, um, you know, <clears throat> and um, I'm, I'm going to single you out, Sister uh, Julia. Um, it's been two years, and just just recently, she received the gift of tongues, right? I don't know how much of asking you, you gave yourself to, um, but I'm sure it wasn't, you know, I'm going to just, you know, lay down in my bed and say my bedtime prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep stuff. Right. There was an actual desire and and and, you know, an earnest desire for the Lord to bestow it. And in in honor of the asking, the Lord granted it. Right. God isn't reluctant. But my point, though, is to say 
that everybody's different. For one person, it might be a month of asking. One person, it might be a single one petition, and the Lord honors it. I don't know why. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, just as you don't know the... Um, just as you don't know how the bones are formed in the womb of her that is with child, so you cannot understand all the works of God, the maker of all things. And so there are some things that are mysterious. And, and, and you know, I don't tend to try to figure that out. The point that I'm trying to make is, look, you might be discouraged by pointing to another person and say, they only prayed this amount of times and they've received it, but here I am and I'm still lacking in it. And so this leads me to my third point. It says, keep praying about it. And this is what we see in verses 5 through 10. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. So imagine, you know, someone says, you know, let's just, oh, let me, let me just finish reading. I'll, I'll make the point. I'm sorry. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity or persistence, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So in other words, <clears throat> some there are some things that God won't give you Um simply because you're his friend or you're his daughter or you're his child, right? Um, and this is what we're learning here in this parable is that the man had gone to his friend and, and relationship couldn't give him what he wanted. So what, what gave him what he wanted? His persistence. He kept knocking at midnight and, and so the guy in bed is like, yeah, this is kind of annoying. Like, here, shut up, stop knocking on my door, I'll give you as much as you need, right? And so, Jesus wants us to learn that principle too. And this is in the same parable where Jesus is telling us to ask, and so, <clears throat> in our pursuit of, of this gift, we have to continue to ask. As an encouragement to you all, I remember it was... 2012, because um, I got saved in 2011, and in 2012, um, <coughs> I asked, I remember praying for the gift of prophecy. I remember praying for that. And um, I just asked for it once. And, uh, well, to it shouldn't be to my surprise, I didn't see anything. Right, it it wasn't until 2016 that I first started operating in that gift. So there was a long period of time, and mind you, I'm already saved, and I don't see that until five years later. And so um, now, I, over the years, I've increased. In frequency, so it happens more often. Um, <clears throat> like, um, yeah, it just it just happens more often, and um, and and the precision and the details. So you grow in this stuff. 
But my my the reason why I bring this up as an encouragement is it, it five years is a pretty long time, and um, <clears throat> and so my my next point though is this number four, and this is probably the more difficult of the three that we've already mentioned. Okay, the the fourth point is this: speak out in faith. This is where obedience is actually going to be difficult. Why? Because your mind is going to want to tell you a bunch of things. No, that doesn't look like it's the case. You know, this and this and that. You know, like, let me give you a good example, actually. <clears throat> so this last Wednesday, when the Lord gave me a word um, regarding, um, for Natalia and her family, regarding the bank, um, uh, let me let me share with you exactly what I was told, because at first as I was I was praying like this, and I still remember I said, Lord, if there's anything you want to say to your people, share with me. And He just gave me the word bank, and uh, I was like, okay, uh, bank. Um, what about a bank? You know, and um, <clears throat> and so He 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 um, He gave me. Um, some some more details about it and i'm like who is it for um hold on let, let me just um let, let, let me just uh pause real quick um so the the thing is but the the point that i bring that up is because <coughs> the lord because <coughs> i asked who it was for and um and um y- the lord highlighted you to me and I was also told that it involved some problems. There was no specifics about the problems, but a bank in Germany, and and like some banking problems. With and I just got two words: Germany and bank. That those are the only two words. I didn't know how to interpret the two. And then when I said, "Lord, who is this for?" Because who came to my mind was like Daniela. You know, because she lives in Germany. And so, and the Lord highlighted you to me. I was like, they live in Hungary. And so I'm trying to inter, I'm trying to process this and it doesn't make sense to me. So, and I'm going to lead up to the point that that I'm going to make. I didn't have enough faith to say, hey, sister Natalia, I, I feel like there's a problem in Germany regarding the bank or, you know, or whatever. And, um because of what I know of, of where you guys live. And I didn't know about that, right? That she purchased a, a, a phone in Germany or whatever, uh, however that worked out. And so I, I was like, okay, I'm going to play it safe, Lord. I'm going to still step out in faith, but I'm going to ask, is there some problems with the bank, some banking recently? And so I, w- I had enough faith to ask it in, in a form of a question and then throw the broad net out there. But I didn't want to just say, hey, I'm not going to step out in faith, period. Because I know, I know I'm know i hearing something. I might be off about some detail somewhere. But I, I don't. And, and the thing is, the reason why it's so difficult is because we don't want to look stupid. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but uh, I, it's something that I, I still go through and I haven't died to completely. Uh, hopefully the Lord helps me more. Um, but look at Romans twelve, Romans chapter twelve, verse six, <clears throat> because you know, 
Um, we don't we don't want to look dumb. No one wants to look dumb if we're if we're if we're safe. Go ahead, brother. I wanted to ask you too. Um, did you ever get any type of word about Carlos? Um, no, no, no. Um, so I I think um I I think um it was it was crazy though that that you mentioned that because I, uh the the. I was, it was like five minutes after you had brought that up that I, I was talking to him five minutes prior to, to, um, yeah, you mentioning that word. So I thought, I thought that was interesting. And you know, the one thing I wanted to say about that is <clears throat> I said this on the group, <clears throat> you may very well hear from the Lord and get someone's name, right? And, um, that's revelation, but the second step, and and God may it, now, this is this is what you'll learn as you grow into it. God may give you a word, a revelation, but now once He gives you that, you may not immediately have its interpretation. So that that's what you got to pray for. It's like okay, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> You're smacking bugs. <laughs> so <clears throat> you may not have its interpretation um and that's something you have to pray for as well and the, the third thing you have to pray for as well is its application how how do i how do i apply this word to this person like and and, and like in other words how might they as i deliver this word what further instruction do I need to give them so they can secure that word? Because I'll say this, you it's possible for you to not walk in a prophetic word because of your disobedience. And in fact, in some cases, it's possible for you to overturn prophetic words that, that, that are uh, words of judgment. For example... When Nathan the prophet had gone to, I believe it was Nathan the prophet, had gone to um, Uzziah, the king, and he says, you're going to die. And then uh, you're going to die today. Like, basically, get your house in order, you're going to die. And um, and the, he, he started weeping, and he started to pray, said, Lord, remember all my faithfulness to you in time past. Because, he, he, you know, he started failing in his life. And so when he when he prayed that, then Nathan the prophet said, "The Lord has extended to you uh, fifteen years." So what happened? He was supposed to die that day, but he set himself to prayer and repentance. What did it say? This three days, I believe it was. Jonah said, "Nineveh will be destroyed." Three days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Well, what happened? They repented. Was it destroyed? No, it was spared. Now, th that's how merciful God is that even prophetic words of judgment can be overturned if you repent. Because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to execute it. He does. Okay, what if, <clears throat> oh, my bad. Go ahead. But what if you got, a, um, he gave you the word to tell somebody, but you kind of didn't want to deliver that, so you pray. Can that be overturned by your prayer? Or does it have to be? No, it has to be them. <clears throat> it has to be them. Because it says... 
Um, it says in Ezekiel that if a wicked man turns from his sin, that he will be spared. Right? So that wicked man has to turn from his sin, and he has to seek the Lord for mercy. You know, um, now I believe that potentially your prayers might suspend that judgment for a period of time and give an extension, but judgment is still over them until they repent. The word that I got was he was going to die. I don't, I didn't want to just say that, but I prayed that that didn't happen. You know what I'm Mm. saying? And I didn't want to just come out and look stupid, but that's what I believe that I received from that. Yeah, I, I believe that our prayers, if they don't repent, our prayers can suspend that. For example, Job. In, in the book of Job, in the first chapter, or the first or second chapter, we see that he was offering sacrifices for his children. Mm-hmm. He was offering sacrifices for his children. And it says... It, it, it states why he was doing it. It says, for he he, consi- he reckoned, what if they have cursed God in their hearts? So he, he is offering up his intercessory sacrifices. And remember, wherever there are sacrifices on an altar, you see in Genesis, they also offer up prayers. And so it, it's assumed that he was praying as well. And, <clears throat> well, you might say, well, they ended up dying. So what, what good did that, did that accomplish? Remember, Satan had gone to the Lord and he says, I can't touch anything because you put a hedge about him. Mm-hmm. So, but what about Job? He was righteous, but, but there was even, and, and, um, but nevertheless, the devil ended up touching Job, even though Job was righteous and his children weren't. And, and it all happened the same day. His children died and he was touched with boils. The, the, the reason for that is because um, had Job never sacrificed in the beginning and lived an unrighteous life, all of that calamity would have been upon him from, the, from day one. He, he would have lived a destructive life without any period of grace. You, you know, you get what I'm saying? And and because of Job's righteousness and because of his sacrifices, the Bible says that at the latter end, he was restored sevenfold. So that the latter end of Job was greater than the former. And so, yes, Satan ended up touching him and his children. Yes, I understand that. But because, but on the strength of his sacrifices and prayers and righteous living, he had an immense portion of grace that had provided that hedge about him that even Satan couldn't touch until the Lord said, oh, okay, finally I'll grant you permission. And the only reason why I'm granting you permission, I'm going to lift up this hedge and so that I can get glory out of it. And then I will eventually give Job a greater end than what he had experienced formerly. But had Job never offered any sacrifices, it, there would be no hedge. And at, in, at will, the devil could come and ransack his children. Mm-hmm. So the so yes, the children ended up, of course, suffering. But if Job never would have done that to begin with, there would never have existed a hedge to begin with. There would be no hedge. Um, <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> but anyways, uh, oh, if if you want further confirmation, I believe in Ezekiel twenty-two, the Lord says, "I look for a man that would build up the hedges and stand in the mm-hmm. gap." So that I would not pour out my wrath upon these people. 
But since I found none, therefore my anger has waxed hot against them. So in other words, that hedge that we're talking about, it is possible for the, a man to build up that hedge, to stand in the gap as an intercessor, so that the Lord will not pour out that stuff. Right? Amen. So we have hedge building to do. But look at Romans chapter 12, verse 6. <clears throat> um. It says this, it says, um, <clears throat> well, actually, beginning at verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and every one, it is the same God at work. Then I, I want us to turn to, uh, hold on. Um, verse 10. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits. Uh, I'm. So, what? Well, that's interesting. Hold on. <laughs> I'm in First Corinthians chapter twelve. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I'm like, what in the world was going on here? I'm like, that's. I was confused because I'm reading gifts. And that and the verse that I wanted to read involved gifts, but I'm like, wait, hold on, that's that's not what I was trying to read. I'm I'm sorry guys for the confusion. Romans chapter twelve verse six. It says, um, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. <laughs> So, it may very well be possible that you currently don't have the gift. That's why we desire them and we pray for them, right? Now, the, the second thing, though, is this. You may have the gift already and not know it because you're not stepping out in faith. Okay, and, and, the, and um, <clears throat> now notice it says step out, it, it says, it says, in it, prophesy to, uh, in accordance with your faith. Not my faith, not anyone else's faith, but yours. And so, how <clears throat> the reason why I asked Natalia about that recent prophetic encounter is because it was in accordance with my faith that led me to ask, right? To be safe instead of, you know, saying... Thus saith the Lord, you know, you know, and pointing out her directly. I didn't have the faith in the moment to do that <clears throat> because I was I was confused. Um, and this is where it's important that we prophesy. We give word of knowledge and not words from knowledge. What I mean by that is to give a word from knowledge is to give a word on the basis of what you already know about the person. And do you see there that my words from knowledge, the, the, the understanding that I had from my knowledge about her came at conflict with what God showed me. Why? Because I didn't know how to reconcile how someone, you know, why God would tell me Germany, but they're living in Hungary. It didn't make sense to me. You get what I'm saying? So it, it ran at a conflict. There was a conflict there for me. And, and this actually ha can happen quite often. Um, <clears throat> what you know about the person is that they look big, right? It might be someone in the hood. They're 
buff and they look like a gangster and the Lord tells them you have a gentle heart and is like that don't make sense to you I remember actually just recently <clears throat> some dude he was like you know he looked like a straight crip you know buffed out all that stuff and uh and I, I'm uh and I, I'm talking to him and the Lord tells me to tell him that he's 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 a gentle giant and there are some other things and uh and he he was shaking his head like yeah like that's true but he big old you know deep voice he's like six foot four you know shredded you know no I know he's been in the pen you know I, I you could tell those you know when they when they've been in prison and stuff like that and um yeah he's like a gentle giant he's like shaking his head like that's true you know but that's contradicting what my eyes see you see that, and and that's where it's important to, <clears throat> and that's where it, it will be difficult to to continue to prophesy. Nevertheless, by by faith, it's not by knowledge. <clears throat> it's not about what you know about the person, because it it, it can um, <clears throat> looks can be deceitful, and this is where trust in God that He knows. Well, there's two things. You have to know that you're hearing from God. And then once you know you're hearing from God, you have to actually trust that God is telling you the truth. That's what it comes down to. Believing that every man is a liar and that God is true. Not literally like every person is a liar. The point that David says that is, look, at the end of the day, God is the ultimate source of truth. And it's only him fully that we can trust. But notice, once again, you prophesy in accordance with your faith. <clears throat> and um, so everybody got a measure of faith. Like, for example, <clears throat> um, I, I've I've um, <clears throat> I've seen like prophetic gifts where, man, it's like it, it, it. You would think that the person like knew them personally for how many details like they're. Like very, very detailed. So they they have worked themselves up to a level of faith that someone barely beginning may not have. And you can't make the judgment because sometimes God may give you a very vague word that isn't super detailed. And and that's the and, and he gives you that information because he knows the level of faith that you got. <clears throat> Does that make sense? And you grow in it. Um like for example, when I first started the Lord didn't give me people's names, but I've had on a number of occasions people God give me names. Uh, just recently, a couple of weeks ago, when I uh, I was I was I was um, at a little taco truck and I was God told me the guy he had an injury from he told me the Lord told me he had an injury from soccer and he got injured in his left leg, and so God told me. Like even down to the the leg, it was like that's detailed. Like it's just not like, hey, do you have an injury in your body somewhere? Maybe your like leg area. Like God told me specifically, it was soccer and in his left leg, and he was tripping out. I was like, yeah, how'd you know that? And and so, but that that comes over time because what happens is if you prophesy like a vague word that's not super detailed, and you get on point, it's like ah, uh, like I'm catching on to this. And and so what happens is that that contributes to your faith 
the next time it happens again, next time it happens again, you see like, oh, I have a track record of being able to be on point about this stuff. And so you begin to enlarge your capacity and say, Lord, what further details might there be about this person? And and your faith grows. And, and so as a consequence, the, the, the frequency, the precision, and the details of these words grow as well. So you're not going to want to start off like, hey, you were born in 1992. Your name is, you know, that's <laughs> that that might be a bit stretching for you. And, and, and reasonably so, you know, uh, it might it might begin as something smaller like, hey, uh, I, I feel like the Lord is telling me you, you've, you've been battling with depression and they might even be happy. So it's not even something like you're looking for them. Do they do they look depressed? You're not looking for that stuff. So that's that's where you can get into trouble. You're not wanting to look at things from the externals to support some message that you want to give them. You're wanting to be introspective and say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Amen. <clears throat> okay. And um, now I want to get through this quickly. I'm sorry. It's, it's taking a little bit of time. But um, number five is don't neglect the gift. First Timothy chapter four, verse 14. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. And um, the reason why I say this, you would think that because it is, it's pretty exciting and, uh, and th- uh, thrilling experience when you begin to hear the Lord for other people and um, you find yourself being on point about these words. But the interesting thing, though, is even though it might be exciting, you can come to a place to where you neglect it. Just as with anything else, you can neglect tongues, you can neglect um, acts of mercy. It's all possible. And so Paul, he's telling this to Timothy, and it applies to us too. We can come to a place to where we neglect it. And we don't want to do that. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, <clears throat> it says, um, Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Okay, so do you see right there? You can become negligent. For example, and what happens if you're negligent? It's probably hard for you to pick it up where you left off. For example, um, <laughs> I, 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 I seen yesterday my friend on Facebook, he's a brother in the Lord, he posts some breakdancing video. And uh, I was like, "Ah, oh, man, that's cool!" Like, cause you know, he 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 was able to hit windmills and stuff. Well, I've neglected that for like ten years, and so I can't go back to pick up where I left off. I will embarrass myself. But I still have the know-how. But where I'm at currently, because of my negligence of that, I won't be able to. I won't be able to do that. And you can become very rusty. And so, in other words. If you, if you are speaking out in faith and you've seen yourself able to give these words, you don't want to neglect it. You have to continue to keep in it and add it. And so in other words, you're being intentional. You're looking for opportunities. You're praying for opportunities. And even though you have the gift, it doesn't mean that you have um, graduated to a point to where you can't rely on the Holy Spirit any longer. You have to, every single time 
there is this there's this posture of humility you have to have and in saying holy spirit what is there that you would like to share with me about this person it's not like um see the gift of prophecy the gift of tongues is the only gift that you can do at will prophecy you can't healing you can't miracles you can't none of those you can do at the at will it's at the will of the spirit and then he grants the blessing if he tells you go pray for that person go perform that miracle you can't just go around because the people say why don't you just empty out the hospitals well because i have no authority to i i can only do what the spirit reveals you know what i'm saying you can't just like a boom 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 heal, heal all these people all the hospitals the Lord has his reasons why. You know, and the only person who had the gift infallibly was, was Jesus Christ himself. Because he himself is God and was able to, you know, do it at at will. But tongues is the only gift you can pray at will. If, if obviously, if you're intending for, you know, to really commune with God. Because what does the Bible say? You can pray without ceasing. That is a command. And so tongues is that unique gift. You can do it without ceasing. Whereas I can't prophesy without ceasing. I can't heal without ceasing. I can't do any of that stuff without ceasing. You get what I'm saying? And so, um, <clears throat> but you can neglect this gift. And if you neglect it, it might you might become rusty in it. Okay, now here here's my second point though. And, and we're still here in the same verse, but we're still here in the same passage, but now the following verse to make to make my sixth point, and it's to make progress in it. And this is what Paul tells to Timothy. He says in the 15th verse, be diligent in these matters. In what matters? Not to neglect the gift, but to be diligent in it, right? He says, give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. So that defeats that false humility view like, oh, I'm just doing everything in secret. Obviously, if you're doing, we should never do things to be seen. We should do things for God. But in our doing for God, we may in fact be seen at times. But not, not for the purpose of being seen, like, hey, look at me. But sometimes you have, you have to prophesy before others. Sometimes you have to evangelize before others. Why? Look, your progress needs to be made before all. Why? So people know that this person is using this gift. So if there's ever a need, we need to call you for it. Amen. You, you know, so it's it's not a matter of self-congratulation or, or self self applaud or anything like that. It's a matter of the you need to. Why is it that they knew Samuel was a prophet? Why is it that they knew certain things about certain ministers? Why did they know that uh, Apollos and I'm quoting the book of Acts was eloquent and mighty in the scriptures? It's because his progress was made before all. How would they know that about him unless that was demonstrated before them? You know, and so like, for example, I don't go around saying, hey, you know, uh, call, call me prophet so-and-so. I don't say that stuff. I just, where I, wherever I show up, if I'm at a prayer meeting or if I'm new to somewhere, God tends to speak to me, especially in new places. And so they end up just coming to know like, hey, this brother's used in this function, in this way, he function this way. Therefore, you know, the progress is being made before all. 
And but notice though the keyword is progression, not digression. So if you neglect, you will digress. But if you're diligent in these matters, you will progress. So let me ask you a question. How how, how might we progress? What would that what does that amount to? Like what does that mean? That we would progress. <clears throat> progression is um you're on point more. Progression is you're more detailed. The progression is you hear easily. You know, see, here's the thing what you guys must understand about prophecy. <clears throat> see, the gift of prophecy and the gifts of word of knowledge, you can see, feel, know, or hear. There, there's, there's, four, there's four different senses. There's a knowing, there's a seeing, there's a hearing, and there's a feeling. The way that God normally speaks to me is I feel and I hear. So the actual word will come into my mind and my spirit. I will hear the word. And so that means my hearing has further progression than my seeing. My seeing, I'm like, a, I'm dim. Like I don't got 20-20 vision. Because you can actually see a vision of things. And that's how God wants to give you a word of knowledge. I've had that happen before. I've, I've happened, hap, uh, uh, um, one time I seen this girl, at, uh, she was a fellow classmate of mine in college, I seen her with doctor gloves, I seen her in like a safari setting, and I seen people coming to her, and I said, hey, uh, and I was actually really grumpy in the moment, <laughs> I was tired, I was like in class for like four and a half hours, and I was hungry, and uh, I wanted coffee, and so I didn't feel spiritual. So how many of you know, like, God will actually speak to you in the moments you don't feel spiritual? And and I was tempted to neglect the gift and say, God, I don't really want to speak to anybody. And so I seen a vivid vision. I said, hey, uh, and I never spoke to her before. I said, hey, by any chance, uh, uh, you're, you're pursuing a nursing degree. She's like, yes. I said, I feel like... Uh, I, that your parents are like missionaries and I see you in a safari setting with, with doc, you know, nurses gloves and you're healing people. She's all, she's all, yes, my parents were missionaries and I plan on become getting a nursing degree so I can do mission work and help sick people in a foreign country. And I think it was like in Africa or in India. And, and so that's why I seen that safari setting. And I was like, well, the Lord says that he's going to, that's an open door for you. And, and everything you're doing right now is in accord with his plans and purposes. Um, <clears throat> one time I seen a girl in a red car with the baby got in a car accident. And uh, I shared that with the student. I was working as a tutor at the time. And um, the week before she got in a car accident with her, with her baby. And I seen that just vivid. Um, but I, I hear and I know, I feel and I hear more than I just get these knowings or I get a seeing. And you can see differently. You can see at night, we call those dreams. And you can see at daytime, and those are visions. Does that, does that make sense? I know there's a lot of, a lot of information, but it's, it's kind of complex. These revelatory gifts um, are, are complex. But the point, though, that I want to make, once again, I'm going to reemphasize, is to make progression in it. Continue to progress. And so, <clears throat> how do you do it? 
Second Timothy chapter two verse uh, one, uh, chapter Second Timothy chapter one verse six. This is what Paul tells Timothy. He says, "For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan it in the flame." In other words, it requires work. It requires the breath of God's Spirit to be fanned upon this flame. Amen? So that's how you progress in it. <coughs> Second two, secondly, is build up your faith by praying in tongues. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. You know why? You know. Let me cite Jude chapter 1 verse 20. It says, Beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So how do I build up my faith? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Why do I want to build up my faith? Because it tells us in Romans chapter 12 verse 6 that we prophesy by faith. So if I build up my faith by tongues, that means my faith grows. If my faith grows, then that means that I can prophesy greater things by faith. Does that make Amen. sense? Amen. So that's how you make progression in it. You fan into flame. You pray in the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> the third one, and this is pretty easy for you guys. It's more of a passive thing than an active one. But to be in company with those who do prophesy. In a community. A, a, a you know, mentor. And so th th this, because you grow by association. For example, how is it that gang members get all their strength to be down for their set and to put in work? Well, because the association, the community, uh, spurs them on. If they're by themselves, um, they still might be down for their gang and all that stuff. But when you put people in packs, it spurs each other on. Because it's continued to be spoken about, talked about, discussed, modeled. And it creates a culture. And finally, it's keep practicing and find opportunities to use this gift. In other words, be intentional. So that's how you make progression in it. So you, you, can't, you can't just sit back and say, Hey, you know, I prophesied to three people. That's awesome. That's my, that's my resume. That's my spiritual resume and I'm going to leave it at that. No. And, it's, and <clears throat> in the book of Daniel... When, when Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill all the wise men of Babylon, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel was included among the wise men of Babylon, so they were going to get killed too. But Daniel said, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. He spoke to the chancellor, and, by, and it says he spoke to him prudently and with tact. Like, hold on, hold on. You know, I'll show the dream to, to Nebuchadnezzar. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel prayed. The Lord showed Daniel what the, the dream was. And it says, the Lord has revealed this, and I'm paraphrasing, so that you may know what is in your heart, O king. So, uh, why do I say that? Because the reason why we want to seek for words isn't for us. It's for that you may know, O king. That you may know, O lost man. You may know. So, it's for the benefit of the body and it's a benefit for the lost so that they may know there is a God in heaven. That's what Daniel ended up saying. That you may know, King, the interpretation of your dream and that you may know that there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he is the God of gods. 
He is the Lord of Lords. So let me give you a good example. <clears throat> is I, I I've shared this testimony before. Long story short, it was an atheist, and um, and um, he he was you know he was doubtful of the Lord. He didn't really believe God existed. He was a genuine one. He wasn't being antagonistic. He was really doubtful. He's like you know, I've seen so much pain in my life. I don't know if there's a God, you know. And so the Lord began to show me things about his life, and um, and he was training me on this on this bus route because I was new to the job. And then I I remember remembering Daniel. I said, Lord, Daniel had gone and prayed to you, and you revealed to him the secret of Nebuchadnezzar. So I believe that as I come to you and I pray in faith that you will reveal to me uh, so that he may know there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Because that atheist said, bro, you seem to be like guessing really good about all these details in my life. He said, you're pretty good at that. I don't know if you have like knowledge in psychology or something. You know how to read people. But he says, there's one thing in my life. And he says, if you can reveal this, he says, I can't say I'll come to believe in God, but I'll be very, very impressed. I said, look, man, I ain't trying to impress you. I'm trying to get you to move to the line, of, uh, cross over to the line of faith. That's what I want to see. And uh, so I pray. He says, you don't have to show me right now. You don't have to tell me right now. And I said, well, I, I am. So let me pray. <laughs> and so I prayed right there in the moment. Um, the Lord showed me that his mom and dad divorced because his dad used to physically beat his mom. And I said, uh, I know what it is. I said, the Lord uh, showed me, and he said that um, you used to witness your mom, your dad beat your mom physically, and their divorce. He's all, wow, wow. I'm speechless, man. I said, today, the God of heaven has revealed to you the secrets that were in your heart. You have no excuse. This is not a matter of probability. There's no way that I can guess seven things of your life. God showed you one by one every little detail. I said, so you're without excuse. And so if you don't come, I said, the same God that revealed this truth to me is the same God that has revealed the truth of the gospel that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing men's trespasses to them, but he died for their sins. So what you must therefore do is repent and believe the gospel. And this is the truth. And so why is word of knowledge and prophecy so important is because it attests to the truth of the gospel. Because if you come with the demonstration of the Spirit and power and tell them the things that they know are true about their own lives, what does that say? You're a messenger of truth. And now if you're a messenger of truth, when you get to the gospel, guess what they now know about the gospel? It's true. Amen. And they can't deny it. So, <clears throat> but you look and you practice for op you look for opportunities in the grocery store and it's intimidating <laughs> it is i'm not going to lie especially when you got the pressure of other people around you and you're hearing all these other voices in this crowded place and you're online and you're you're communing with god should i share something but you got a limited amount of time you feel pressure there's a lot of those dynamics and factors so <clears throat> but you want to start off small. Look for opportunities that are more easy, where there's not so much pressure. Maybe it's just you and one other person, or you know, you're sitting on a bench in a park, and someone's reading a book near you, and you pray and ask if there's anything that God would like to share to you for that person. 
you know, so you get you can buy a little time, and then as you progress, and you can do in more dynamic situations that aren't so easy. Does that make sense? Um, and uh, two, two last, uh, um, three last things I want to say, but there's no verses. Just very quick, and maybe you can just jot them down. Is once you start acting out in faith, you're seeing that you're on point about these things, and and you, you kind of get a good track record of, of speaking and prophesying by faith and getting uh, revelation about people, is that you want to model it and teach it to others. You don't, you don't want to hold it back because you want other people to catch this too. So it creates a culture. Um, Not not to boast. Not this has nothing to do with that. Um, it's just a matter of the church capturing these very biblical things. It's just because this, the reality is that not every church values these things. Not every church does these things. Not not every church knows where to begin with these things. And so, if you're in company with some other saints, you want to model it. Um, obviously with the humble heart and sincere heart, but so that they can catch on and then it can ripple effect and then it can, the process just continues. Um, and two last points is this read books on it. And, and the last point is don't ever think you've arrived. Don't ever. That's why you might want to read books on it is don't think you've ever arrived because I, I've been doing it since 2016, so that's what, like, you know, what, four, six years, and I don't think I've arrived. I still see areas where I can grow, and therefore it reinforces this point of continuing to make progress in it. Don't neglect it. Keep looking for opportunities, and the Lord at times surprises me of what he shares, how he shares it, where he shares it. Why? Because God isn't God isn't boxed by some of our expectations of Him, and so you want to keep. Um, obviously, He confines Himself to His Word. But my point, though, is some things. Sometimes we assume things about God that aren't necessarily biblical, and He He tends to surprise us. Ephesians three verse twenty. Now to Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think. So He does things above what you think. And so, um, <clears throat> so don't, don't, you know, like I said, you might want to read books. I have books on the prophetic. A lot of my time is focused in on studying on prayer, studying on prophecy, studying on, uh, you know, discipleship, because I want to become a skilled craftsman in, in my giftings, right? Amen. And whatever your giftings are, you want to continue. Don't try to... So if you try to do everything, you won't do anything. The way you serve people is that you know who you're serving. And and wherever there's a demand, you supply the need. And so if you try to serve everybody, you won't serve anybody. So you, you have to you have to hone in on these gifts. And remember, going back to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, you eagerly desire this. It's a commandment. And you keep praying in it. And once you get to the point to where you're actually operating in it, 
You model it to others. You keep diligent in it. And you don't ever think you've arrived. You keep expanding. You keep growing. You keep looking for other opportunities. You keep, you know, opening up your heart to, you know, um, yes. And so, uh, and then of course you teach it to others. Um, but that's all that I have. Recording.